today on Growth Mindset University. It was a clear signal from the market, right, from my audience that said, people want to know how you did this. The question was, how was I going to respond to that? Because this is not the kind of content that I typically write about. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. The traditional definition of work is changing, and that's why I have a gentleman named Jeff Gotthelf on Growth Mindset University today. Jeff helps organizations build better products and executives build the cultures that build better products. He's the co-author of the award-winning book, Lean UX, and the Harvard Business Review Press book, Sense and Respond. And now... The upcoming book and the topic of our conversation today, Forever Employable. Jeff works as a coach, consultant, and keynote speaker, helping companies bridge the gaps between business agility, digital transformation, product management, and human-centered design. Most recently, Jeff co-founded Sense and Respond Press, a publishing house for practical business books for busy executives. Jeff's book, Forever Employable, the topic of our conversation today. It's available on Amazon. And now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jeff Gotthelf. How do you say your last name, Jeff? Like it's two words, Gotthelf, not the two oh, words wow. that you think was, it is. I was going to say it wrong, so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I always ask. <laughs> Got, yeah. Gotthelf. Okay. Jeff Gotthelf, welcome to Growth Mindset University. It's a, it's a pleasure to to have you on the show. I'm, I'm glad that you reached out to me, actually, now that I think about it. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so people can get your new book, Forever Employable, How to Stop Looking for Work and Let Your Next Job Find You. I assume that's on Amazon, right, Jeff? It's on Amazon and available as of June 16th. Yes, yeah, the book will have been out at that point. We're, we're recording this on June 15th, the day before uh, Jeff's big launch of Forever Employable. So you can get Forever Employable on Amazon. Jeff also has a website. You can visit him there at Jeff Got Health. Uh, I'm connected with Jeff on LinkedIn as well and, uh, and, and Twitter. He's at JBoogie. He's got a good, uh, got a good feed there. <laughs> so go follow Jeff Got Health on those platforms again. Forever employable, Jeff. The answer seems to be obvious, but why this book? Uh, it's it's this book is a long time in the making. I've been building a career for myself over the last fifteen years or so around a thought leadership platform, thought leadership based on experience and expertise. And over the years, that's transformed into the kind of business that has allowed me to do interesting things like write a few books, like give talks and uh, travel around the world working with cu- with customers and clients and teams all over the world. And what's happened is inbound inquiries have come in certainly over the last five mm. years or so mm. from, from various folks asking, hey, how did you build this career? How did you create the situation where it seems like everybody knows the the work that you've done. And I uh, 
hesitated for a long time about and how to answer those questions. For me, that was clear. Look, it was a clear signal from the market, right? From my audience that said, people want to know how you did this. The question was, how was I going to respond to that? Because the bulk of the work that I do is in technology and it's with, with digital product teams and organizations that build digital products and services. And this is not the kind of content that I typically write about. And I was concerned about kind of shifting seemingly significantly from what I typically talk about to how to build this kind of business that allows you to be forever employable. So in a way, you built a business by accident? No, it was no. not by, it was not by no. accident. It was actually an explicit decision on the morning that I turned 35 years old. So the day that I turned 35 years old, I was doing everything right as far as I could tell, as far as I was told, the way that I was, you know, kind of expected to behave in my career. I was about 10 years into my career. At that point, I got a bit of a late start because I was a touring musician a bit after college. Um, you know, I took a little, what they call a gap year. I took a, like yeah. a gap three or four years <laughs> touring, with my, <laughs> touring with my friends, which was a good time. That's great. Um, I, I love that. Oh, it was amazing. Those guys to this day are my best friends in the whole world and still have the, be the best yeah. stories. And how was, how was that funded, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> funded is an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I don't know if that's a word. It was funded through crappy part-time jobs, nice. a significant amount of a hustle, and ramen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And you were, you were traveling all over. Well, I mean, primarily the East Coast of the U.S., but I mean, uh -huh. we were we were out, you know, we were out every Wednesday through su Sunday, you know, based out of uh, Virginia for, God, six years, seven years. I mean, really through college and after college, um, just do, trying, to, trying to be rock stars. And, you know, it's, uh, it's entrepreneurial, uh, but it's brutal. And, you know, the nice thing is that when you're, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, uh, generally speaking, your expenses are fairly low. Yeah. None of us were married. None of us had kids. So it was it was easy to live on 400 bucks a month at the time. You mean like literal rock star, like you were in a band? Yeah, that's... that's oh, that's, that's awesome, what, man. Yeah, that's, that's, so what, cool. that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Wow. So ba back, to, uh, back to the story when you're 35 and... Yeah, so so I've been I've been working for about a decade, and I'd done everything right up until that point. I had been, you know, I had I had a, a good kind of middle management job. I was getting a decent salary. I was working in New York City in tech. Uh, I was married, two kids, house, two cars, like you name it, right? That's that's yeah, the American right. dream, right? Everything mm -hmm. everything's going well. And so I wake up in the morning, my thirty fifth birthday, and I have this panic attack, and I. I what I realized, or at least the, the panic attack was based over, is um, this realization that in five years, I will be 40. And from that side of 40, I'm 47 now, from that side of 40, uh, 40 felt old. And uh, what I saw myself becoming in five years was old, expensive, and unemployable. My skill sets just weren't developing as quickly as I was seeing the people that I was hiring for my teams coming in. They were faster, better, smarter than me. And, and most importantly, they were cheaper than me. And so I was terrified that in five years, I wouldn't be able to provide for my family. That really was what it boiled down to. And so I made an explicit decision on that day 
to never look for work again. Because I realized that that was a losing proposition. If I was going to get out there and put my resume in play every time, yeah, every yeah, every yeah. couple of years, right? Every time there's a reorg. Sure. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to compete. I was going to lose that. Plus, like, think about it, right? The further up in an organization you go, the less jobs there are, right? There's, there's fewer management jobs the, mm-hmm. the higher up you go. So I was going to lose that. And so I made a very explicit decision on that day to never look for jobs again, never look for work again, but instead to create the kind of situation around me where jobs find me. So to change the dynamic 180 degrees. So, and you switched from being a regular employee to being an entrepreneur at that point? So I made the, it's interesting because I didn't make the connection. You made the decision. I didn't make the connection that I was becoming an entrepreneur at that point. To me, an entrepreneur was, you know, Silicon Valley. It was it's Elon Musk and Zuckerberg. It's it's you know Reed Hoffman. Sure. It's, right. I mean, we use are, another term. I, I mean, I don't know. If, maybe self-employed is too is too. Uh, that's maybe that's that's disrespectful. Maybe, but um, but I don't know. Whatever term you want to put in there. What what I decided to do was to, and again, in hindsight, yes, this was entrepreneurial. Yes, this was the launching point of my business. But really, all I was trying to do was create a competitive advantage for myself personally, using a like, by building a platform around myself. That was what I decided to do. The, 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 the resolution was the only way that people are going to look for me is if they know who I am, they know what problems I can help them solve, and and I can I can make it easy for them to find me. Yeah, and, and what are people looking for you for? So so these days they look for me to help them solve problems around how how to build teams and cultures that develop and launch successful digital products and services. Mm-hmm. And I've spent the last twenty years doing that. And from a variety of different angles, from a design angle, from a product management angle. And over time, I became self-employed. I mean, I built a business first. I actually launched uh, an agency with a couple of, of colleagues. We ended up selling that practice and then building a slightly larger agency and selling that practice and using all of that experience to ultimately become a solopreneur, right? To become self-employed, yeah, yeah. to build this lifestyle business, as it's, it's called in some circles. How, how do you how do you sell an agency? Um, look, agencies are interesting, right? Because the the only the only asset an agency has is its people. Yeah, that's it. I mean, maybe your book of business as well. But generally speaking, we we had a so we had a unique skill set in the marketplace at the time that most agencies didn't. We were starting to build digital products and services in a much more modern way that many clients were starting to look for, and there weren't very many agencies providing that service. And so a slightly larger agency than us saw that opportunity, recognized us as the thought leaders in the space. Again, this is this comes back exactly to that moment on my 35th birthday where I decided that I was going to create this platform around myself. Yeah, create opportunities by, for yourself that way. And that's one of the opportunities that was created was they – when this agency started looking for smaller agencies to buy up and they saw me and my my partners in this, they knew us from our reputation because we were already recognized experts in the space. And that was one of the many opportunities that this platform pulled in. So then 
with Forever Employable, who is it that you're aiming to help with that book? Is it, I mean, because it's not, is it someone that, you know, is is looking to be a regular employee for like a, you know, a regular company? Or is it for someone who, um, you know, is trying to do what, what you're doing? I wrote the book with the target reader persona of a mid-career knowledge worker. So basically, if you've been working in any kind of knowledge work uh, for a minimum of five years, right, five to 15 years or more, then this book primarily is for you. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be a self-employed individual. Uh, You can be an in-house employee because, look, there there are plenty of folks who want to be forever employable but always continue to work for uh, an organization, right? They're not going to go out and start a business uh, per se. And that's perfectly okay. How do you create that kind of value around yourself so that your current employer values you on an ongoing basis and other organizations recognize that value? Maybe they they try to poach you from from that position as well. So essentially it's for people, as you say, who want to take back control of their careers and create that safety net so that they don't get left behind. That's exactly right. There's a level of, look, I've, I've been through a, I've been working professionally now for 20 years. The, I, the crises that I've been through have involved everything from the, the dot-com collapse to 9-11 to the, the, the financial crisis and now a pandemic, right? And yeah, so yeah. Every five years, there's something awful. Basically, um, yeah. and there's a panic. Look, in the first ten years of my career, when I was kind of just you know very steadily and reliably climbing the corporate ladder, every time there was one of these transitions, these crises, um, there's a panic that comes along with it. Oh crap! I got to update my resume. I got to get into the marketplace. I got to go for interviews. Got to make sure I fight for the the jobs that now have a thousand applicants and only three openings. That type of thing. And so, yeah, this is a safety net for that right how mm-hmm. do you uh, honestly my in, in many ways this is a it's an anti-stress book right i don't want you to have to stress out about where the next gig is coming from yeah i i want to i want you to i want you to, to feel confident that no matter what happens there's always kind of a steady stream of opportunities coming your way some will be bigger some will be smaller but there's always something something cooking that will help you get through the next crisis and a lot of this has to do, I imagine, with standing out, right? Is that mm-hmm. is that fair and saying? Okay. Yeah, because I, I know you made a post about that this morning, like eight minutes before we hopped on here, or at least it was posted at that point. Uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you use a scheduler or anything like that. But anyway, yeah, how do you, how do people stand out? Yeah, it's, it's important. And I, th- I think there's a couple of ways to think about it. So first of so all- So many people out there. Right. And not just so many people, but think about like the internet, right? Like, yeah, yeah. right. Everything's been written about everything a thousand times over, which is, which is how, how it feels, right? And it's like, what, what thing could I possibly add to the conversation that hasn't already been said? Mm-hmm. And here's how, I, here's how I think about this. So I, I do believe that that's true. I, th- I think everything's already been said, but here's one thing that's actually not been said, right? No one has told your story. Because no one has your story. No one's taken the exact same steps that you've taken to get where you are today. And so you've got that. If nothing else, you've got that, right? What got you to where you are today? Whether it's your childhood, your upbringing, your college years, your crappy summer jobs, um, you know, the, the seven years you spent on the road freezing in the back of a 
touring van with no heat in it, you know, and it, it, you know, like in upstate New York, right? Like those are good stories. And so then how do you take that, those experiences and translate them into lessons that you can share with people who might have similar uh, circumstances as you or people who work in the same field as you or have the same interests or passions as you? And to me, that's, that's what it's all about. It's identifying what those passions are identifying really what you want to talk about and then telling your story about what how you got to what you know about that subject today so sharing your story where where jeff how, how do people do this how do people prevent themselves from oversharing too i, I don't look i think these days it's tough to overshare <laughs> at least by comparison to most people yeah um, yeah i've seen some i saw some stuff this weekend that just yeah. <laughs> cringe man i could t- oh, it's just bad it's really bad anyway uh look i think i think you like to to use a cliche and i apologize for that i try not to do that but you fish where the fish are so where do the people who you want to hear your story hang out Right. So, for example, let's say you're somebody like me, you work in tech and you want to tell stories about your your expertise in some some aspect of, of the, the tech world. Where do those folks hang out? Well, uh, we hang out on Medium. We hang out on mm. Hacker Noon. Mm. We hang out on Hacker News, uh, LinkedIn for a lot of things. Right. Twitter's got big you know, tech communities. Uh, wherever wherever folks are having this conversation. That's where you want to be, right? If there are conferences, if there are meetups, uh, that's where you want to be. Now, you can be on stage sharing or you can be participating in the conversation secondarily, commenting on things, but but you have to go fish where the fish are so that people become aware of your, A, of your existence and more importantly, B, of your expertise. Yeah. You know, I this just popped up in my head right now. I There's a lot of podcasters that listen to Growth Mindset University and I think that people who have a podcast and are constantly putting themselves out there in that way, I think they're in a way making themselves forever employable. Would you would you agree that a podcast is at least one good way to create opportunity for yourself in the in the forever employable manner? It is absolutely an excellent channel for doing that. In fact, it's some, it's something that I never thought I would do, and and it's not something I've done explicitly, but I found myself in preparation for the launch of this book, accidentally creating essentially a, a podcast of sorts where I've been interviewing people on my blog called Forever Employable Stories and looking for people outside of tech because the bulk of my audience is tech. That's where I spent the last 20 years. People outside of tech who have built these forever employable careers and now there's half a dozen of those stories out there and a mm-hmm. few more coming, right? So it's, it's absolutely, it's a great way because look, you're, 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 what you're doing is you're getting, you're getting better at telling your own story by letting others share their stories and then sort of like like shepherding uh it's probably not the best word but like shepherding their stories to to a broader audience yeah. i think that that's a terrific channel uh, to do podcasting yeah i think it really is too what is what's one of your favorite forever forever employable stories that you've stumbled upon besides your own of course uh, I have to share with you this. It's the first one I did, and it's the one that really kicked the whole thing off. Um, I managed to get an interview with the current guitarist for White Snake. Now, uh, White Snake for me is is a pretty big deal. I, I grew up 
on the music of Whitesnake. Um, one of my first concerts when I was a teenager was Whitesnake at the Brendan Byrne Arena in New Jersey. Um, so this was a pretty big deal for me. Uh, it's amazing, first of all, they're still touring and, and doing this. They've been going a long time, like 40, <laughs> 40 years, I think, at this point. Man, they're um, forever employable, really. They are forever employable, for sure. Yeah. And so the current guitarist for Whitesnake is not the guitarist that I saw when I was a kid. But nevertheless, uh, he's an interesting guy, and he uh, – so his name is Joel Hoekstra. And what he has done – he's a guitar player, right? So you say, okay, he's a guitar player. How, how does one become forever employable? Well, this guy, first of all, he plays guitar in Whitesnake. He plays guitar for Cher when she does her residencies uh, or tours around the world. Um, he writes for Guitar World magazine. He teaches guitar lessons over Skype. He holds master classes. He does remote collaboration with other artists with his mobile recording studio when he's on tour on the road. Basically, he's taken his passion and his expertise and he shares it in half a dozen different ways, in half a dozen different channels that generate these revenue streams. And it's amazing because, again, just like everybody else that I've, I've featured in these Forever Employable stories and in the book, it's his perseverance and his consistency that has made him successful. Like, it's not just, hey, I'm a guitar player and I play guitar, but there's lots of different ways that I can use that same expertise and deliver value in half a dozen different ways. Sure. And, and so opportunities constantly seek him out. And, and you talk about, like, uh, you know, you've said here that, you know, don't, you know, don't really, you, you don't really look for jobs, but instead let your next job find you. I, I it's, it's kind of contradictory to what I've always thought. And one of my, philo- and that's, that's, that's my philosophy of like, hope is not a strategy. Right. What do you think about hope is not a strategy in terms of forever employable? No, listen, I, I think that today, the moment we're living through right now with the pandemic and the quarantine, the fact that this stuff just happens. If it's not a pandemic, it's a recession. If it's not a recession, it's a terrorist attack. If it's not a terrorist attack, it's the it's the kind of the the collapse of an overhyped industry or or whatever it is. Add to that the lack of any kind of real corporate loyalty today. Um, You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to create the kind of safety net, uh, future-proofing, whatever you want to call it, that ensures that you have the assets ready to go when the next crisis starts. And so if you hope that you you don't get laid off, if you hope that your business doesn't go under because the pandemic closed down the global economy for three months, that you're going to fail, right? You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. The, the, the companies, right, that, that were entrepreneurial and, and are surviving the pandemic and the individuals that are surviving the pandemic are the ones who are taking their core value, the things that they already do and deliver, and they're figuring out new ways to deliver that value, ways that they may, they may not have considered in the past. Maybe they felt ridiculous to do so in the past, but you know what? This is what you have to do right now. I mean, like an example, I'll share with you an example, right? There's um, uh, there's an organization called With Locals. It's a tour organization. So you'll go to Rome and you'll take a pasta making course with a chef in Rome. And they set I that up. do that. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's where that cottage is that I'm looking at in Rome. Oh, my God. Go. I got to do go. that course, man. Have you ever done exactly. that? 
I have not. I am going to do it. It it sounds amazing, and and an amazing experience is part of a holiday, right? Somewhere abroad. All of a sudden, they can't do that, right? No one's traveling. Economies are shut down. Italy was the epicenter in Europe of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they do? They take the same exact experience and they bring it online, right? They're sharing this through Zoom, through Skype lessons, through whatever it is, and they're recreating as much of that experience as they can with the tools that they currently have available for them. That's entrepreneurial and that's surviving. And that's the kind of stuff that you really have to think through if you wanna stay forever employable. And, and, not, and not wait for the pandemic to strike or the next crisis to strike to do it. Because think about it, right? If, if that same organization had been doing virtual tours and real life tours simultaneously, then if the real life tours went away for a little while, well, so what? We're already up and running. We know we got this virtual thing happening, right? We just amplify that part of our business. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, that's that's the kind of forever employability that you can apply to your career and certainly to your business as well. Yeah. Now, now for the individuals listening to Growth Mindset University, what is what are the? And I know we talk about sharing your story because that's unique. What are the top three like actions to get on the path to being forever employable right now? The most important thing you need to do first is plant your flag. Planning your flag is deciding what content space you're going to own. So if you're a, um, uh, I don't know, you're, you're, you're a technologist of some kind, right? What aspect of the technology space uh, are you going to, to own? Because you can't own technology. I'd say it's even, it's, it's, it's even like, it's equally as difficult to own something like software development, right? What aspect are you going to talk about specifically? You're going to say, look, I'm going to focus on software development for the healthcare industry, right? To me, that's, that's, that's your expertise. That's what you're good at. That's what you know. That's the first thing you need to do is decide where that passion or that expertise is that you're going to double down on and build your platform around. That's number one. The next thing that you really, really need to do is to start to tell that story. The opportunities, we talked about this a bit before, right? It's like, what do you tell your story? Everywhere, right? Start yeah. to, to, to develop that conversation with, with the, the people who might want to listen to that, whoever your target yeah. audience is. Question on that. Yeah. We'll remember where we are. That's step two or three. Step I've had two. people come to me with the concern of, they've asked me a question. I got it via email very recently, like, how do you know she's just starting to put herself out there with this new podcast she's like she's like how do i keep my personal life personal though mm. I, I, well i mean i don't i don't have enough context to really to really answer that but i mean is you mean from the personal life from from kind of bleeding into the the podcast you know i mean well she's she's someone who's starting a podcast putting her story out there on the internet for the first time really and she's concerned i mean she's got like you know she's got a family with you know with kids and and um she just want she she just i don't know she just can do with the concern of keeping her personal life personal um i don't know does that, that i guess that doesn't make sense not enough context well, I mean, look, it, it, it really depends on where she's planted her flag, right? If she's planted her flag around personal topics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's there's no way that there's no way to avoid that, right? Right. But 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 look, I mean, I, 
I've I planted my flag around the intersection of uh, software design and software development and product management, right? Generally speaking, my family doesn't play into that conversation. It's, you know, my yeah, okay. My my parents don't play into that conversation. No, that's uh, a good answer. It's a good. Yeah. It is. Okay, so so three. So you, so uh, you plant your flag. You tell your story. And then the most important thing is as you start to develop this content, give it all away. And, and to me, this was the last, the, the most recent thing that I've learned and the most unintuitive for me initially to really grasp because I've been working forever. I've, I've, I've learned a ton. I'm going to share this and I'm just going to give it away for free. Like, no, people mm-hmm. should pay me for my mm-hmm. expertise mm-hmm. and my experience, right? That's, that's what it feels like. And the reality is this. The more you give back, the more you give back to the industry, to the domain, to the community, the more comes back to you. It's, it's amazing. Like If you go to my website right now, there's half a dozen videos of me giving keynote speeches around the world about the things that I teach and I consult on. People can put that video on in their conference room, gather the team, and watch the video. But instead, I get hired to come in and give those talks regularly. Right When there's, when there's video of that same exact talk right there. The more you give away, the more comes back to you. Yeah. No, I feel that way too with what I've done in in podcasting. You know, I've had this podcasting course out there for almost a year at this point. And the amount of people that have started their podcast because of that course is just fantastic. I I, I love it. And that course has uh, brought me opportunities in other ways. Um, you know, like some of them have become my clients at Trend Up Media, which is where we produce and manage podcasts. Um, so opportunities have come to me in other ways for offering that course for free. But if you go through the course, I mean, it, it very well, you you know, if you didn't know the price tag on it, um, you know, you would think it's uh, it's at least like a one, uh, $199 course, $199. Like it, it's really well done. I spent a lot of money on getting it done too. But anyway, Jeff, this is about you, and uh, this has been a great conversation today. Forever Employable, how to stop looking for work and let your next job find you. Forever Employable, that is on Amazon right now. JeffGotHealth.com, JBoogie on Twitter. Jeff, I appreciate you. I've got one final question, but just thank you for, uh, for sharing with us today and teaching us the Forever Employable ways. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Jordan. So my final question is... If you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Today, and I'm not sure I'm qualified to do it, but if if I had my choice, I would teach a writing course. I think that writing is the most valuable skill set you can have today. It's something that I picked up way too late in life, and uh, I'm I'm super grateful for all of the, the benefits that have come from becoming an increasingly better writer over the last 10 years. Yeah, really is a great skill set to have today, yes. Jeff Cott, <laughs> Jeff Gotthelf, you're the man. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode, and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.